welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. Today, we got another Q&A. A lot of Q&As lately. Yeah. We're going to keep cranking them out. Um, as some of you have noticed, actually, it was one of the first things Cody swung by because he was going to Giant. And uh, one of the things he said, uh, I was like, man, I noticed the podcast got shorter. And I was like, yeah, what do you think about it? And he was like, it fits fit my commute better because yeah. like, I don't drive very far. And I was like, that's exactly why we started doing it. So some of you guys might start noticing we are shortening the podcast length a little bit, sticking to just three questions. It could be 30 minutes, could be 40. It's kind of like, how do we get those three questions done with as much info as possible without it being this super long, drawn out um, conversation? Uh, partially because statistics show that is better for most listeners. Um, I don't think that would be better for interviews. I can't get yeah. everything out of somebody in 30 minutes. So the interviews will remain full length hour, but uh, we're doing that because now we can be more focused, crank out more podcasts once we get into the new studio. Um, podcasting is our main platform to deliver content to you guys. It's what you guys tend to like the most, which is why we're constantly asking you to share the show. We're doing these contests for the free shirts and all those kind of things. Um, but I don't even know what days... They're going to be on right now. Maybe just, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Much. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, but we get into the new studio in just over a week and we're going to start recording. Um, actually, I would say when we get back from Austin, we have our team meetup. Everybody on the TCM team is meeting up in Austin, Texas uh, for a few days on the 6th. So when we get back from that, we're going to be on a new podcast schedule and you guys are going to get basically twice as much content. Yeah. Shorter, but uh, just as much impact. So I'm excited about that. Is today's episode a Monday episode? I'm confused now. I have no idea, man. Uh, we recorded yesterday for Thurs- uh, Thursday. Thursday. So this is Monday. Not next Monday, but the Monday after that. If it's not, the interview's on Monday, so we're doing a giveaway right yeah. now. That's yeah. my point. <laughs> I think I think it's the best guess. Yeah. And either way, this yep. this will be a, a giveaway. So uh, you guys know the deal. We are giving away a shirt every single week, um, especially the weeks that we remember. That is the biggest thing. <laughs> and uh, so all you need to do, it's pretty simple. Uh, if you like this show, Obviously, go leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes or Spotify, or both. If you've done one of them, go do the other one. Um, we truly appreciate that. It helps us grow constantly in the rankings. Go do that, and then take a screenshot of the show right now. Head over to your Instagram story and uh, post on your story. Tag myself, at Cody McBroom, and tag one other friend that you think should be listening to the podcast. Um, we are doing this to get this in front of more people. This is 100% free education for people to live a better life, both through health and entrepreneurship, relationships, everything. We talk about all things personal development. So anybody you know that should be listening to this podcast to improve their life, tag them as well as me so I can screenshot it. And then I can hit you up if I choose you and say, you're going to get a shirt. And we're sending everybody a tailored shirt. Um, all right. Let's get it. With that being said, let's get into some questions. Cool. We got our first question coming from Carrie Wong. It says, I've always had chronic back problems. I've spent the last three years trying to strengthen my back and get healthy. I can belt squat almost 400 pounds, leg press. I did 900 pounds for eight reps the other day, and my deadlift max is 315 pounds. Whoa. My barbell squat, I can't, I can't do more than 175 I know I have the strength to squat more. As soon as I get under the bar, I just imagine squatting down and snapping in half and hurting my back. How do I imp- how do I improve my squat and increase that weight? Well, that's a lot of weight. Um, I don't know obviously how your size, but um, you said carry. Yep, that's some pretty impressive numbers for a female. Well done. Um, so I have a few differing opinions on this. Um, 
the first one is kind of like a, uh, uh, what's it called when you're like giving somebody a warning? Um, Forewarning? I mean, <laughs> uh, it's like what you see on a label though. It's like, uh, anyway. Yeah. This is a, 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 a warning, a, discre- a discretion. No, that's not it. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. That's the word I'm looking for. Disclaimer. <laughs> I am not a doctor. That is the disclaimer. But really though, like back injuries are so unique and they're so different and there's just so much going on with your spine. Um, some people are rotation intolerant. Some people are flexion intolerant. Some people are extension intolerant. And what caused the original injury is probably what you're intolerant from. So what that means, if you're flexion intolerant, you can't round your spine without pain. If you're extension intolerant, you can't extend your spine without pain pain. If you are rotation intolerant, you can't rotate your spine at all without pain. All of which you should be able to do, some to more of a degree than others. The problem with this is that I don't know which category you fall into. And this is like, I would probably say it's most likely a a, uh, extension thing based on it being the squat issue. But like point being is it's very hard to determine that. Um, You definitely lack trunk stiffness. um, And I know that because if you can, so for example, if you're doing a leg press, you're laying on a, on a pad on, a, on your back and you're squatting because your, your legs are doing a squat pattern. You're just leaned up against pad. Yep. It's, it's knee flexion, a little bit of hip flexion, and then you're extending the knees and the hips together, pressing away an anterior dominant movement. That is leg press is a squat pattern. Um, but you can't squat. You can leg press 900 pounds, but you can't squat 175. Obviously, there's something there and it's not your leg strength, clearly, because you're doing that pattern with the stability behind you. Well, if you have that stability behind you and you have the strength when you do, that tells me you cannot create enough trunk stiffness to put a bar on your back and do it with free weight. And when you have a bar on your back, you're creating trunk stiffness by creating a maximum amount of, of internal, so intra-abdominal tension in your core, um, as well as stability of your trunk. And your trunk is everything between your shoulders and your waist. So that is like not just your six-pack, but it's your obliques, your sides, your low back, everything. Um, I would even consider some of your back musculature in there. But point being is if you can't create that trunk stiffness, it's hard to do any kind of squ- squat without collapsing like a... Um, uh, Accordion. Accordion. That's what they always say. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with that being said, um, there's a lot of ways to, to improve trunk stiffness. It's, it's, it's a trained strength and stability pattern. So Copenhagen planks, Palov presses, side planks, anti-rotation, farmer's carries, like there's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, but it, it's like, that's my best guess because of the leg press, uh, you know, example you gave us. However, usually you also need trunk stiffness to deadlift a good amount of weight because you also need to create intra-abdominal force and tension and stability in your trunk and core while you deadlift. Um, there's a little bit of a difference because you don't need to, and this is why I'm saying it might be extension dominant because you, you usually if people are flexion dominant, the second they round it all during a deadlift, they hurt their back because you're bending over to grab a bar. Whereas a squat, you're starting from the top and it's on your back. So you're trying to avoid extension too much. Um, so it's just so hard to say without seeing you is yeah. my big thing. And like, there's just so many different um, diagnoses to have and, and symptoms and, and different mobility drills that you can be doing, breathing drills. It just depends. Um, so I don't want to say anything for sure, but most likely you have a stability issue with your core trunk stiffness. The thing I would say is that you don't have to squat. Like if you can deadlift a ton of weight, you can leg press a ton of weight, that's great. If you are trying to squat just because you want to be able to say you can squat. That's fucking stupid. Honestly, if you are trying to power lift, yes, you need to be able to squat. Um, but I don't think anybody should squat because they think they need to squat. There's a lot of people who are like, I'm trying to build my body. And everybody says, you got to do the big three bench squat, deadlift. 
You really don't. Like I can think of better variations of all three of those to build a better physique. Deadlift, you should be doing an RDL instead. Bench press, I would rather do a dumbbell bench press because I can get a bigger stretch or do a bench press with a cambered bar, which isn't allowed in uh, powerlifting, but that's the bent bar because it goes beyond the normal range of motion. I get a bigger stretch on the chest. It's going to build more muscle. Um, and on a squat, I'd probably do like a half field squat or a heels elevated close stance Smith machine squat, something that eliminates the need for trunk stability and allows me to just hammer my quads because yeah. same thing with the RDL. It's not as much of a strength movement, but I'm going to build more hamstrings with it. Whereas like a deadlift is... Little quad, little hamstring, little glute, little lats, just kind of everything. So if you're trying to build your physique, you can't be married to the big three. Like plain and simple, it's just not that important of a, of a series of movements um, for hypertrophy or muscle growth or body composition changes. They are great strength builders, but they also have the highest rate of injury risk and uh, neurological fatigue. So if I go do heavy squats, not only is my injury risk way higher, but also my nervous system is way more likely to get fatigued. My joints are more likely to get fatigued. Um, muscles, maybe, compared to other exercises, but mainly the neurological and the joint fatigue are super high, which means tomorrow you're going to be more fatigued from it, and you're not going to be able to train as hard. Whereas with a muscle-building-focused movement, like the half-field squat or anything like that, I don't have as much joint stress or neurological fatigue, and I build more quads. I mean, shit, a leg press or a leg extension might be better for hypertrophy in, in most cases, yeah. you know? Um, so I think that you have to weigh out these things and then really ask yourself, like, why are you trying to squat? Because if it's just to say that, like, I can squat a lot, which I've been guilty of, yeah. like, it's cool to be able to say and you want to. And even for myself, after my second knee surgery, I, I was really determined to be able to squat because my pride was like, I'm not going to let this knee hold me back. And at a certain point, it started hurting again because I just kept climbing up the weight more and more and more. It's like the whole powerlifting situation lately, yeah. right? But then... Before this, I kind of stopped and was like, okay, like I've squatted 375 pounds. I should be happy with that. Like why else am I doing it? But just besides proving that like I can squat now with my knee, I don't need to squat that way. I think way. that is proving it though. Exactly. I checked off that box. I need to stop while I'm ahead before I end up hurting myself. So even in here, like do you really need to be squatting, you know? And then the other thing is, is alongside that same exact uh, thought process is, is the barbell back squat variation you're doing right for you? So some people will be trying to do like a low bar wide stance back squat until they're blue in the face and they just can't progress when really they're just built for a high bar, close stance, knee dominant squat. Like you might just be doing the wrong squat variation. You know, if somebody's trying super hard to do a sumo deadlift and they keep hurting themselves, but they have really short femurs, they probably should just be doing a conventional deadlift. Stop trying to sumo. Sumo is more designed for people with longer legs. So yeah, I, I just, I think you're making the mistake of being married to a exercise when what's important is movement patterns. And you're doing that movement pattern really fucking well by doing a 900 pound leg press. Call it good and totally. you know, focus on what Move is actually, the right reasons. exactly, yeah. Focus on the exercise that are going to be uh, doing the right thing for the right reasons instead of, you know, beating your head into the wall trying to do an exercise that is clearly not working for you, Yeah, you know. Um, and then again, with the trunk stiffness stuff, you should work on that because everybody should. But if it's a serious back injury, like go seek out somebody like Stuart McGill who specializes in that and, or somebody you can see in person who is certified by his company. I don't remember what it's called, but. Squat University? Um, that's not it, but oh. them too. Oh, yeah. That's another really, I don't think, I don't know if uh, Dr. Aaron Horshig certifies people, um, but him and Stuart McGill have done podcasts together, I believe. And I have both of his books and I have both of Stuart McGill's books, but Stuart McGill is like the leading back specialist in the world. Yeah. So. Good luck working with him one-on-one, -on -one, but he does have a certification. And then there's like PTs all over the country that are certified by him. Totally. So you can go to his website and there's like a list of them. Cool. All right. Let's uh, 
move on to the next question. We got one coming from Chandran Dillon. It says, I have been bulking since the beginning of October. My weight has gone from 156 pounds to 163. I've gained five and a half pounds of muscle mass. I am also currently eating 450 calories above maintenance. I've gone to a point where I want to end my bulk and go back to maintenance, yet still progress in the gym and contain, uh, contain, continue gaining some muscle. My question to you is how would you recommend transitioning back to maintenance and further down the road doing a cut? Should I maintain my protein intake and just cut it back on carbs? Um, Most likely um, or fats. So quick and easy answer is is the best thing to do is maintain your protein intake and lower your calories um, slowly enough to be able to see where your actual maintenance is. So, you can start by calculating your, your maintenance, which, you know, we have like a, a blog on the website that has this and stuff, but you can essentially use something, um, Harris Benedict is fine. Uh, we typically use Mifflin St. Gior, I think is a little more accurate, but do that calculation with your new body weight and see where you're supposed to be. And then slowly inch your way down, kind of like a reverse diet, but in the opposite fashion, slowly drop your calories until you get to the, about that point, kind of watching your weight, because really what you're looking for is when you go from like bulking calories to maintenance calories, you're going to lose some water weight on the front end because you're just dropping carbs and calories, which hold water. If you flush some water weight, that's not muscle, but it allows you to kind of find where that new maintenance is. So do that. Um, and then sit there and then you would create a deficit from there when you go to cut calories. Um, the other things I would say about this is like, number one, if you are in a surplus and you are building muscle successfully right now, I don't think you should cut calories with the hopes of going to maintenance to continue building muscle. It's kind of counterintuitive because you're in a place in a surplus where you are now building muscle because you're in a surplus. So you don't want to cut calories to continue building muscle. You want to stay where you're at if you want more, mu- if you want more muscle growth, you have two options. Don't touch your food. Just keep lifting and keep progressing in the gym. And if you're not progressing in the gym, your program might need to change um, so that you can progress. There's ways to manipulate reps and sets and periodization to improve, like basically guarantee that you're going to accumulate more volume um, or just change exercise to stimulate that novelty growth. So that would be option one. The other option is like, I want that, but maybe I put on too much fat during this bulk. In that case, do a mini cut. So don't go to maintenance. Go right to a deficit, a big deficit like pull. 35% of your calories from where you're at right now in that slight surplus cut for three to six weeks, a very short period of time, just to shave off a few pounds of the fat that you want to get rid of and then go right back to lean bulking. Maybe not as high as you were before. Cause maybe you put on too much fat then and you just go a little bit slower. But if you're not done gaining muscle, don't go to maintenance. Now, if you are like, I want to go to maintenance cause I want to go to a cut next. And I just want to make sure, you know, I'm gonna go to maintenance, just maintain this physique, so on and so forth. But you just want progression, I would change what you're after in terms of progression. What I mean by that is like, if you're super focused on building muscle tissue, you're probably not going to see more of that when you go into at maintenance, you know, you're gonna lose some water weight, maybe you'll see more definition that might be feel good. But if you are get basically preparing yourself for a cut in the near future, stop worrying about getting more muscle focus on like strength, meaning Drop your calories down to maintenance. You can easily progress in the gym in any performance metric and strength that you want while at maintenance calories. So drop your calories to maintenance and focus on something other than muscle growth so that you can be pleased with the progress you're making in the gym. Mm. Because if you're just after progress because you want to feel like you're productive, which is usually why people hate maintenance is they go to maintenance and they feel like they're not doing anything, which is why if you go to maintenance, like track your lifts in the gym, try to get stronger, like do, 
do something that makes you feel like you're improving, right? Not just literally maintaining everything across the board. Um, and do that until you're ready for a cut. Because there's just, I mean, like logically speaking, there's no reason to go from, I'm in a surplus successfully gaining, now I'm going to drop my calories to maintenance and continue gaining. Yeah. What's the point of going to maintenance? Um, to either mini cut and then go back to the, the gaining phase or go to maintenance and focus on something else until you're ready for a cut. And then during a cut, it's it's just training to maintain muscle. Plain and simple. Boom. Yeah, easy one. All right, let's uh, move on to the third question here. It is from Aurora. This is a long one. Uh, I tried to ask this through Spotify Q&A, but the character limit was too small, so here I go. <laughs> what an intro. <laughs> I am a 5'6 female, 120 to 125 pounds, and I do about one hour per day circuit-style resistance training with 15-pound dumbbells and kettlebells. Uh, I am st- I'm looking to start resistance training with heavier loads for body recomposition. Um, and wondering if I will need to do decrease my calorie intake if I start training heavier but will but with longer rest times between sets and reps no I would absolutely love to hire one of you as a coach but unfortunately I don't have the monetary resources as a graduate student so I hope I can get as much out of your podcast as I can I have already recommended to several people and I love how real and helpful you are thank you for everything thank you um I was expecting to do longer than that to be honest with you um you know somebody's smart when they say monetary she say monetary income? Yeah. Uh, resources. Resources. Monetary resources instead of saying money. Yeah. I was like, what is that? Duh. Um, okay. So as I kind of interrupted by saying no, you don't need to decrease your calories. If anything, you might need to increase them. Um, and I mean, that's the bulk of her question, right? Like she's going to start weight training and lifting heavier, and she's wondering if she needs to decrease calories. Yeah, and she wants... Uh, to up the weight on her loads for re- body recomp. Okay, so there's a few th- like there's a few like myths I kind of will like just debunk right now real quick. So number one, lifting heavier loads doesn't equal recomposition. So by lifting heavy, you don't automatically start recomping, aka burning fat, building muscle. By lifting heavier after doing a long period of time of circuit style training with weights, you are simply just going to build muscle. What's probably going to happen is either A, if you've never weight trained before, you might recomp, but it's not because you are lifting heavy loads. It's because you are lifting more intelligently. Honestly, doing a circuit style training is just not ideal for building muscle or strength because the rest periods are short and the weights are really low. 15 pound weights aren't really that heavy for anybody to build strength. If you've never lifted before, of course, you're going to get stronger. You'll get stronger by lifting a pencil at first. There's actually, you can like literally do a curl with a pencil. If you've never curled a pencil before, muscle is going to be activated. You can flex and muscle will work, right? So yes, there's of course new begins at the beginning, but everybody I've ever met will progress past 15 pound dumbbells extremely quick, extremely quick. And then beyond that, you are really just doing muscular endurance. So now you're doing a circuit style fashion, which is low rest periods, low weight, and it's not very stimulating to the muscle that causes enough stress to create any type of adaptation. You're really just doing weighted cardio, right? Which is fine. There's, I'm not like bashing it. Sounds like I am. I, I mean, it's not my style of training, obviously, but it is something that will be useful to somebody who's never done anything. And if somebody wants to lose weight or get in shape and they've never done shit, you could do Zumba. You could do any class. You can just go walk, go on a hike, play tennis, anything you want to do. It will help you. Physical activity is the big key. But when we talk about recomp, 
there's more to it. Now, lifting heavy loads by itself, so like low rep, high weight, for example, that's not something that's going to build, uh, that's not a recomp strategy. In fact, that's a strength strategy, which is probably the opposite of a recomp strategy. However, if you're very new to lifting and you start lifting weights, whether it's in the five rep, five to seven rep range or the eight to 10 or the 12 to 15, like if you were doing more weight and more volume, you will build muscle, especially because you've never done anything before. If you are so new that you also burn fat in the process, then you are recomping. But even if you don't burn any fat, if you build muscle, less of your total mass. So let's say she didn't say her weight, did she? Uh, one. Yeah. Oh, she did. Uh, 120 to 125. So if you're 120 to 125, less of the, like, and let's say, let's say you're, you float in there and now you do like a month or two of, of weight training. Now you're like 125 to 130, but more of your total weight of that 125 pounds is now muscle. None of, you didn't lose any fat, but you built muscle. So now more of your total mass is muscle. You have a lower body fat percentage and usually you will look like you recomped. Um, cause a lot of times when people are that size and they want to build muscle or anything, they're not overweight. Maybe they just don't have a lot of tone dense muscle to them. So when they build muscle, it looks like they got leaner, but really all that happens, you built muscle. Now you have a lower body fat percentage. I would still consider that recomp, mm-hmm. but like, that's, what's going to happen here. Um, now do you need to pull calories down? No, that's the second myth. High rep weight training burns more calories. Not true. Um, it's very exercise dependent. Uh, you could do a high rep low rest period, upper body workout in a lower body or upper body workout. And then a lower body workout that has maybe lower reps with longer rest periods, but you're going heavier and you burn way more calories. Why? Because legs are way fucking harder and they're bigger muscles. So you're going to more taxing, right? Um, or you could do a full body workout. That's purely strength training, long rest periods. You're going to burn more calories because full body workouts typically do burn a little bit more calories. Um, you could also do maybe front squats and you've never done front squats before with a heavier load, that'll burn more calories because it's brand fucking new. You're not very good at it. When you're not good, your body uses a lot of energy to get it done. You know, so it's so, there's no like, this burns more calories than this outside of like cardio typically burns more calories than weight training in the moment. Long term, I don't know if that's the case because you adapt to cardio fairly easy compared to weight training. Um, But you don't need to lower your calories. If anything, you need to increase your calories because what's going to happen is you're going to start strength training after doing this happens all the time. We see this constantly with new people. They've been doing some kind of circuit training class or circuit style uh, weight training, short rest periods, get your sweat on, high reps, like low weight. Um, Then they shift to strength training and we have this new stimulus. We might even do less days per week, taking way longer rest periods, which science shows is better because if we have a longer rest period, we can recover more, which allows us to lift heavier in the next set and keep our performance at a higher level, which by the end of the session and week and month is more volume, more volume, more growth, muscle-wise. Now they're in a position where they actually need more calories, specifically protein carbs, in order to recover the muscle damage that's occurring from the new stimulus they're providing. So you're creating a new stress on your body, which is telling your body, give me nutrients, give me calories, give me carbs to replenish the muscle tissue and heal because I am breaking down muscle tissue. That is what causes muscle damage and soreness. So you pulling calories will actually just limit your ability to successfully strength train the way you want to because now you're not going to be able to recover from it. So um, you do not need to, yeah, and you won't have the energy to do it well, right? Especially after the first couple weeks, you know, um, once your body realizes you don't have enough to recover from it. So uh, don't pull calories. Um, If anything, eat more. Um, And it depends on how you're eating too. Like, of course, eat enough protein, but a lot of times uh, people who believe certain things believe other things. 
it, it sounds kind of weird, but you know, um, there's certain myths in the fitness space and usually there's like categories of them. It's like a lot of these kind of myths kind of float in this realm and people kind of fall into the same category, so to speak. Um, so there's a lot of times where we get these same people that also have been eating low carb, you know? Um, so that's where I'm like, Hey, not only do you not want to pull calories, but you might want to eat more carbs. You know, if you're going to increase calories, it's probably going to be all carbs, maybe low protein if you're under eating protein, of course, but you need carbs to, to, I mean, your muscle tissue is literally 60 to 65% water. Carbs are what help you store that water in the muscle tissue. And if you don't have carbs and water in the muscle tissue, it can't do its job, can't recover, can't rebuild. So um, don't pull calories. Uh, and if you're after recomp, like there's no, anybody who tells you this is a training program for recomposition, they're full of shit. Mm. You know, um, I actually thought about doing the uh, the, the program I'm going to sell through Trainer Oak, like uh, doing it as like a recomp thing before summer, the program itself is a, a build muscle program. <laughs> like that's like the, the concept. But if we implement habits around that, that lead to recomp, it's different. So a, a recomp program would be a hypertrophy program alongside some kind of cardio or high step count alongside like a maintenance diet. That's ultra high protein, pretty high carb and low fat, like all these elements together training wise there's no there's no training structure or rep range or program that builds muscle and burns fat simultaneously recomposition happens if you're brand new you've been out of the gym for a long time or you accumulate a bunch of habits around your strength training program which is geared towards hypertrophy muscle growth and all of those things in combination lead to recomp yeah not the program so um I mean, that's the advice I would give you. Um, and, and it kind of made me think of something else I actually wanted, I wanted us to actually shoot a reel on today. Um, and it's this idea that like, you know, like you shouldn't do high volume. Like I see all these, like some of them I like, some of them I really like. They're content creators I like, or they're people I know who I personally like. <laughs> so I don't want to like say any names or bash people, but I really disagree with it. I think a lot of people come out and they're like, they're, they're strength training uh, coaches. And they say, you don't need a lot of volume. That's a big mistake people make. Yet every single research study we show shows that more volume equals more gains. Now, there is a limited amount, and you have to be able to interpret research properly, which is a mistake that a lot of like uh, strength coaches just rely just on anecdotal experience instead of relying on both experience and science and research studies. But some of the studies are inflated, meaning it says 40 sets per muscle group per week. That is freaking ridiculous. But if you look at the study and you actually read more than the abstract, you'll see that they only do three exercises, lat pull-down, bench press, leg press. So if that's the case, we know we're really only working quads, chest, and lats. So of course, that's how many sets you need and that you can handle. However, though that group in the study didn't do delts, traps, rhomboids, hamstrings, glutes, like all the other things. So when you factor in all these things, you know, it does go towards like 20 sets per week, which is pretty high. And you shouldn't jump right to but the thing that it's, it's annoying to me is that the people that constantly say, like, people are making this mistake, you don't need to train that much, just train three days a week, or you don't need that much volume to grow, are people who have been jacked for a long time. And it's like, you don't need that much volume because you've been training for a decade, two decades, yeah. three decades. Dude, I don't need much volume at all to maintain the muscle I have. I need a good amount of volume to build more. But a lot of these guys aren't trying to build more and more and more. They're just maintaining their physique, which they're happy with, which I can relate to. And they're talking about how nobody should do a lot of volume. That's a mistake they made. And I'm like, actually, I think that's exactly how you got to where you are. You danced on the line of burnout. You danced on the line of doing too much. In the pursuit of reaching your cap or what too much is, 
you got burnt out and you had to pull back a little bit every now and then. But if you didn't pursue that maximum amount, you wouldn't be as big as you are. And if we look at every jacked natural bodybuilder, they do a lot of shit. If we look at every jacked CrossFit pro athlete, they do a lot of shit. That's a lot of volume. So like volume and exposure to the muscle is exactly what causes growth. Yeah. I think that people make the mistake from going from not training to super high volume or super, super stressed lifestyle from family work, whatever it is, and trying to do a lot of volume. But in the same context, you could do a three-day program that is just the power lifts and super, super heavy. And that high intensity would do the same exact thing that a high volume bodybuilding program would do. The bodybuilding is way less neurologically fatiguing. It's more muscular fatiguing, but both of them are fatiguing. And if we look at the global amount of volume done weight, when we go sets times reps times weight, it's the same. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I want to throw that out there because I think it's it's good information for people to know as they're entering in the strength training world from like this circuit style stuff because there's a lot of people out there that that will say that and uh, I don't think that's true. I think if you slowly but surely increase somebody's volume to the appropriate amount while monitoring their progress, which is exactly what I've done with a lot of my clients, they make the best gains because you find their sweet spot. It's going to be a good amount of volume, but everybody has a different like high amount. You build up to that and then pull back for deload. Build up to that and pull back for deload. Um, and you manage stress outside the gym. Yeah. You know, so um, don't listen to people who say black and white things. Um, and don't listen to people who claim what they're doing is the right thing for everybody, especially if they have years and years and years of progress where they did a lot of other shit. Because if somebody looks amazing and they've always looked amazing and they were doing a bunch of other stuff than what they promote today and what they promote today they say is the best, I would argue that it's the best for anybody else who has been training for 10 to 20 years and is banged up and doesn't want to grow anymore and just wants to maintain and wants to manage stress. You know, not somebody who's somewhat fresh, zero to five years and wants to progress a lot in the gym. It's a totally different scenario. So totally. Um, yeah. Just a random tangent to throw out there at the end. Yeah. Uh, we'll be talking about it a lot today. Yeah. You guys will see it on a reel for sure. A uh, few quick shout outs, uh, head over to giantlifting.com. Use the TCM 10 as the 10% coupon code to save 10% on any of your stuff. My good friend was just here, uh, Cody Smith getting some equipment. Actually, don't know what he was over there getting, but use the code, save 10%. You can too. TCM 10 giantlifting.com. And of course, tailoredlifeapparel.co. You can be updated on the next drop in quarter two. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you. Catch you next time.